Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month, May 2018. Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month is a compilation of the weird, disturbing, and downright baffling stories currently happening in our world. From UFOs and serial killers to ancient sites, mysterious creatures, and even ghosts, these are the Strange and Scary Mysteries of the Month for May 2018. Number 5. Remains of 140 Children Found It's no secret life in ancient times was much different than it is today. Society had rulers and people often followed an absolute god. And for the Maya, Aztec, and Incas, daily life also involved human sacrifices. National Geographic recently released details of a project they've been sponsoring since 2011, and it revolves around the unearthing of ancient sacrificed animals and children. The site where the bodies were found was once called Hanchequito Las Lamas. It's a low bluff just a thousand feet from the sea in Peru. Today, the place is surrounded by modern cinder block residential homes. The area is located less than a mile from the UNESCO heritage site of Chan Chan, which was the capital city of the Chamu Empire. While human and child sacrifices are well known, archaeologists have never seen such a huge number of children killed in one day. The victims were all buried in the same area and hailed from the Chumu Empire. It was in 2011 when the remains of the first 42 children and 76 llamas were uncovered. An archaeologist was excavating a temple down the road when residents informed him of the decayed bodies eroding from a nearby coastal dune. By 2016, over 140 sets of children's remains were found. They ranged in age from 5 to 14 years old, with the majority being between 8 and 12. These children were killed and buried alongside 200 juvenile llamas. Various rope and textiles were also discovered with the remains and these items were carbon dated tracing back around 500 to 550 years. Aside from the bodies, archaeologists also found preserved footprints leading to the site. They believe the victims were marched for several miles before eventually reaching the sacrificial site. Most of them had their skulls stained with a red cinnabar based pigment. Evidence of cut marks were found in most of the sternum and ribs, leading scientists to believe they may have been broken or cut to facilitate the removal of the heart. The same fate happened to the llamas as well. Interestingly, the children were buried facing east, pointing to the Andes, while the llamas were buried facing west towards the ocean. As for the reason for the sacrifice, archaeologists and those involved admit it's a puzzle. While it was a common practice to sacrifice adults and occasionally children, this particular event, along with the scale of the victims, is somewhat unprecedented. One possible explanation offered by Hagen Klaus, a bioarchaeologist, is that the Shamu might have done the sacrifice as an attempt to fend off the repeated calamity brought on by the El Nino weather phenomenon. When they felt the usual sacrifice didn't work, it's possible they turned to the children as a different kind of offering. But he concedes it's difficult to know for sure without a time machine. Archaeologists are currently working to extract DNA and to find out more about the victims, where they had come from, and whether they were related to each other. Number 4. Man Kept Young Girl as a Pet In 2016, a 17-year-old girl went on social media in her hometown of St. George, Utah and posted, saying she was depressed and wanted someone to pick her up. A 20-year-old man named Carter replied to her message, and the two communicated a few times before making plans to meet up. 
Carter said he would help her with her depression and that she would find happiness with him. He added that he lived in Leeds and offered to let her stay in his home for two days. The girl initially told the man she was 18, but later confided that she was just 17, to which he replied, Oh, even better. The truth is, however, that the man named Carter was actually 38-year-old Raymond Burke. He arrived at the girl's home and picked her up, and they dropped by a bank to take out some money before hitting the road. When the girl realized they'd been driving for way longer than it took to get to Leeds, which was only 30 minutes away, she inquired where they were headed. Burke said, I lied. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. She asked if she could still go home after two days, and Burke said he was going to keep her as his pet indefinitely. He brought the girl to Phoenix and kept her for the week, repeatedly sexually assaulting her during that time. When she told him she wanted to go home, he hit her, and the same thing happened when she said she wanted to talk to her father. Burke kept her tied up to his bed during the daytime whenever he left for work to ensure that she wouldn't escape. At one point, he even brought her to his drug dealer and told her to have sex with him so that they could get good weed. The girl finally managed to get a hold of a cell phone from one of Burke's friends and posted a call for help on social media. When Burke found out the cops were coming, he attempted to transport the victim, but the girl saw the police and reported to them what had happened. Burke has since been held in an Arizona jail since his arrest. He is charged with human trafficking of a child and aggravated kidnapping. His trial is soon set to begin. Number 3. Women's Severed Heads Found On March 1, 2018, in Calcasieu Lake, Louisiana, a prison inmate who was doing cleanup around the lake discovered a discarded shopping bag. When he investigated, he was shocked to find that inside was a decomposing head of a woman. The local sheriff and police investigated the crime scene and said nothing else was found in the area. They added that the head was most likely thrown there and had been decomposing for several months. Authorities could not find any significant trauma to the skull, suggesting that if she was murdered, she was killed by other means aside from blunt force trauma to the head. She was described as being 25 to 40 years old, most likely a white female with long, dark, red or brown hair. Several weeks later, investigators in Houston, Texas received a report that two volunteers found the remains of a woman inside a large black bag. These volunteers were walking with 300 other people cleaning up the area around Lake Houston on March 24th. Like the first victim, this head was also badly decayed, making it difficult to identify the race and other facial features. However, after several weeks, it was determined that the second victim had similarities to the one in Louisiana. This second victim was also a white female with good teeth, reddish-brown hair, and was also approximately 25 to 40 years old. Even though there's no direct link between the two as of yet, investigators from both sides are working together and comparing notes to see if there is a connection and if it's the work of the same person. For now, neither of the women have been identified and their dental records have never been matched with any open missing persons cases. As for a possible suspect, the only lead police have is a man seen around Lake Houston, who is described as having short, dark brown hair with bangs. Witnesses approximate him to be between 5'4 and 5'8 and having light skin. This person was seen getting out of the passenger's side of a blue-green or teal Chevy Silverado and throwing something into the river. The truck looked worn out, 
and the back passenger window had cardboard over it for covering. Police are still searching for this individual as they are very much a person of interest. Number two, father-daughter with child die in murder-suicide. It's a very unusual murder-suicide that baffled police who found four people dead across three different states. Stephen Plattle first met his biological daughter Katie when she was 17 years old. Stephen and his then-partner Alyssa had given up Katie when she was just a baby. By the time she turned 17, she had been looking for her biological parents hoping to begin a relationship with them. She found both Stephen and Alyssa and moved into their Henrico County home in Virginia. Prior to this, Katie had been living in New York with her adoptive parents, Kelly and Anthony Fusco. While Katie lived with her parents, both Stephen and Katie began having a sexual relationship without Alyssa's knowledge. Afterwards, Stephen and Alyssa separated, but the father and daughter continued their relationship. They even quote-unquote got married in July of 2017, sharing pictures of their lakeside union across social media. By this time, the father and daughter were living together in Knightsdale, North Carolina. Katie had been impregnated by her own father and had given birth to a baby boy that they named Bennett. Alyssa eventually found out about the relationship through her other younger daughter and reported the incident to police in January of 2018. Stephen and Katie were arrested and charged with incest, adultery, along with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Both were taken back to Henrico County in Virginia, where Stephen posted bail, but was ordered to not interact with his daughter. Katie was also released from jail after posting a $12,000 bond as well. She was prevented from contacting Stephen and was to live with her adoptive parents back in New York. It was North Carolina police who found the first body in the string of deaths that occurred after. On April 4th, seven-month-old Bennett was found dead inside their home at 106 Earlston Court. Soon after, police in New Milford, Connecticut found the dead bodies of Katie and her adoptive father inside a pickup truck. Both had been shot to death, and a few miles away from there in Dover, New York, police then found Stephen dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound inside his light blue minivan. According to Stephen's mother, she admitted that her son told her that Bennett was dead and asked her not to go there. It's believed he then drove to Connecticut and killed Katie and her adoptive father. Apparently, Katie had broken off the relationship with him just days prior, and this was his twisted final act of vengeance. Number 1. Golden State Killer Finally Caught For over 40 years, the notorious Golden State Killer had been left to roam around and terrorize several victims. This psychopath had committed more than a dozen murders, over 50 rapes, and 100 burglaries in California between 1974 and 1986. However, despite the prolific crimes, police were unable to zero in on a suspect or make an arrest, that is, until last month. While DNA evidence was available, there were no hits found on the official database for decades. Then on April 24th, just outside his Sacramento, California home, 72-year-old Joseph D'Angelo was arrested and linked conclusively to the Ventura double murder perpetrated by the Golden State Killer in March of 1980. During the Ventura murders, 43-year-old Lyman Smith and his wife Charlene, who was 33, were bludgeoned to death inside their High Point Drive home. Charlene had been raped, which resulted in the collection of DNA evidence. 
D'Angelo's DNA and other evidence was also matched with murders and killings done by the serial killer, particularly those in Goleta, Dana Point, and Irvine. How this serial rapist and killer was eventually captured is a very unique story on its own. It took four months of hard work before police definitively found a match. DNA expert and investigator Paul Holes worked on a hunch that he could create a roadmap of the killer through his genetics. The officer traced back the killer's great-great-grandparents back to the 1800s using the DNA profile they had. His team created about 25 family trees with thousands of relatives still living today. However, he was intrigued by one fork which led to a 72-year-old former cop who was living in Citrus Heights. Holes and his team found out that the disgraced cop had purchased two guns during the time the killer was most active. Police placed the man under surveillance and obtained DNA from items he had discarded. When this DNA and that of the Golden State Killer was compared, it was a definitive match and one of the worst serial killers in history was finally captured. What made the Golden State Killer especially notorious was that he not only raped, murdered, and robbed, but he also taunted police and the surviving victims by sending them messages and even calling them over the phone. But because he was a cop himself, as we now know, he knew exactly how to stay one step ahead of the police at all times. He was first known as the East Area Rapist and Murderer for his crimes from June 1976 through July of 79 in Northern California. Then he was dubbed as the original Night Stalker for his crimes from 1979 to 1981 on various victims in Southern California. Many of these victims were couples and most were killed. It wasn't until later on, decades after the crimes had seemingly stopped, when the term Golden State Killer was coined. Many hope the unique approach taken by investigators will also help in generating leads or potential suspects for various cases committed by other notorious serial killers that still remain at large today. It's very rare that such a prolific cold case finally gets its man, but in this one, good was able to win over evil. Every day we encounter scary and mysterious stories that many of us don't know what to make of. These are just a handful, but there's still so much more to discover. If you enjoyed this video, then remember to subscribe to our channel. We have many new scary mysteries coming out every single week that we're sure you'll enjoy. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you soon.